Hi, everybody. This is Peter Travers at Popcorn here to tell you what's happening at the movies. And the big happening right now is Martin Scorsese's The Irishman, which to me is the best movie that you can see out there this year. And so it's my pleasure to sit here and talk with the man himself, Mr. Martin Scorsese. We've taken a field trip. We've come to your screening room. It's amazing. I've seen so many films. Yes. And it's, yeah. it's always a treat. It's here where you show all the Marvel films, right? Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm getting a bigger screen. screen. It's going to so circle around. Can, the, yeah, exactly. This is exactly yeah. what happened. Fixing the sound system is not that good, but we're terrific. fixing it. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're getting a lot of flack from that. Yes. Do you, do you care? Yes, in the sense that um, I, don't, <laughs> I know those pictures. Are, uh, some of the people making them uh, do beautiful work. <laughs> And I really mean that. I, I know what goes into that stuff. Uh, the amount of work, the amount of um, artistry that goes into a lot of it. I just find that ultimately, for me, um, there was concern when I did um, Irishman for Netflix mm-hmm. as possibly uh, um, altering or affecting in a negative way the theatrical experience. There is, because yeah. Netflix only gives you a couple of weeks in the Well, theaters. we got about three weeks on this one. The problem here was that I, I pointed out uh, that, that uh, I'd made a number of pictures that only lasted a week and a half in a the theater anyway. <laughs> well, seriously, King of Comedy was considered the flop of the year in entertainment yeah, tonight. Yeah, but now... Yeah, but now, okay, so yeah. having said that, um, and also having pointed out that, that um, uh, no studio in Hollywood would make the picture, uh, Netflix stepped up and it was a trade-off. A trade-off. You have it for two, three, four weeks in a theater. Stays in a theater. Meantime, it's streamed. So this is the way this picture had to be made. When, when um, did issues... studios really say, "I'm not going to do this"? Yes. Did they give you a reason for it? Yeah, and, uh, yeah, a couple of reasons. It was a period of nine years. One of the reasons was who's you know the the I gotta say that, and it's a delicate issue, but you know. Um, the uh, box office issues, mm-hmm. the names. Mm-hmm. Oh no! Well, of course you had nobody in it. Well, that's what they're but they're saying. Al well, they're saying Joe at Pesci. this time, yeah. who really wants to see this kind of thing? Um, having said that, yeah, I know. Having said that, um, uh, there was also the issue that half, well, about almost half the picture they're younger, and they couldn't play younger. And then we had the CGI come in, um, and that's costly. That's costly, and it was ex- an experiment. You know, it was an experiment. Well, so you're not afraid of that. No, no, I know, but but it, it, people have to give you money. They they, they have do to, have they to a, give you money. They have a right to yeah. question. <laughs> <laughs> so, Look, Marty, it's millions of dollars. Are you sure? <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah, absolutely. We were trying, but the thing about it too is that if that um, it made me then think about what is the theatrical experience when I was accused of of. Uh, um, endangering a theatrical experience mm-hmm. by by making this film at Netflix, um, and then I looked at the theaters, and most of the theaters are playing superhero films. I said, "So what's left? Mm-hmm. Do we have any theaters left for a movie?" Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the others are movies; they're fine. It's it, it, it's not my thing, and I, I I I tried over the years to watch some of the stuff, and I lost interest, a great deal of interest. Um, but in any event, um, so I thought it was time for us to start to think about. What constitutes cinema? Well, now the idea, we've talked about this over the years, the idea of people watching the movie that you've made. To me, the Irishman's epic in size. It just is. So to watch it on my phone, on my smartphone, doesn't seem very small. No, that I I never thought of. Certainly, I could say I made a a film, I made the past 20-some-odd years, I made films both for 
television and for in terms of the screen size and the theater. Never for a phone. I, I don't know how to do it. I, I wish I could. Well, they're, they're, you don't have I, I don't to do anything. How. They take it and reduce it. So all yeah, the no, time you spent on set. No, I, I don't get it. To light it. And to I mean, I, I, you know, but films will be made for phones. You see what I'm be. saying? Well, so, they're made for them even if they're not, because that's where they can eventually wind up. You know. Well, I, I would suggest if you ever want to see one of my pictures or most films, please. Come here. Marty yeah. will let you watch. <laughs> please the don't look at it on here. a phone. Please. <laughs> An iPad, a big iPad, maybe, you know. But the, the essential thing, and it goes to the Irishman to me completely, you know, the last time that we talked about this kind of thing was The Departed, and I predicted yes. you'd win the Oscar at last for it, oh, and you did. Oh, so I'm predicting another one. Oh, my God. But, you know, Please. so what? You know, if you lose, you know, I owe you 25 cents. I know. You know? So You're going to have to pay up. I know people. <laughs> you do know people. I know, I know people. I, bet. Yeah. I know people. Very De Niro of you to do that. But I, I still think people, unless they have a gigantic screen in their thing, they have then the decision making to decide to go to the bathroom or to, because it's three and a half hours long. Yes. So yeah. they could say, well, I, I need I, to. Yeah, I understand that yeah. too. I, one, of, one of the things about a film three and a half hours and what this Netflix venue afforded us was I wasn't sure about, how should I put it, uh, four theaters, four home viewing, um, looking at it in sections. Looking at it for the end, looking at the end first and going back to the beginning. It's that kind of a picture, I think. I find that when I was running it here in this room, I said, oh, you know, I have to see the whole thing again to figure out. And after the first five minutes, I was enjoying watching it. Now, I'm not saying because, oh, I made it. Mm-hmm. It just it was an interesting, um, an interesting um, uh, uh, narrative structure. And it got me involved each time. And so I, I in a funny way, I think I made it... Um, to cover all the bases in terms of how you could watch this picture. Ideally, I'd like you to go to a theater, look at it on a big screen from beginning to end. And I know it's long because you've you got to get up and you have to go to the bathroom and that sort of thing. I get it. But um, also at home, I think if you can make a night of it or an afternoon thereof, mm-hmm. you know, and know that you're not going to answer the phone or you're not going to get up too much. And that yeah, sort of that thing. doesn't it might work. It doesn't it might happen work. very yeah, often. Yeah. And you lose... To me, you lose what you see by seeing a movie on a screen, and yeah. you're in there, and yeah. there are people with you, like uh, yes. you know, yeah. Sunset Boulevard. All those wonderful people out yes. there in the dark are yes. actually watching this That's with right. you. That's it's right. part of the experience of doing it. I know. That. I, I know. don't want to go, home, but we key. can't change that. I know, and it's going to be. That's what's happening. That's what's happening. So I took this chance to make a picture, knowing that in my other films too, like Hugo, should be seen in 3D. Mm-hmm. Rarely is shown in 3D particularly seeing it on TV now. Mm-hmm. So I know that it's going to have a subsidiary life in a sense or an ancillary life. Um, here, I said, let's embrace that right away and let's see what happens. There are many ways to look at this film, I think. And, you know, the other thing about you is that people say, oh, he's done another mob movie. Yeah, that was you the know, thing. I, just, what have you done? Five or six? Five. That's it. Yeah, I know. So yet everybody I, like, says... People like... <laughs> well, I know. And... A lot of people think that this one in The Irishman is you saying goodbye to the mob movie. Because I guess 
everybody, the actors that are in it are in their 70s. Yes. And the idea is, yeah. so are you. Yes, you know? that's right. And so the idea is, is this actually a goodbye to that? Are you actually saying, I'll I hope never not. do it again? I hope not. I hope not either. No, because, because you know, there, it, what we tried to do, and that's why it took so long to get this project going. When De Niro and I said we have to make another film, it was right after Casino. It was yeah, 1995. That's a nice thing to say, yeah. You know? So 25 years 25 later. 25 years. It, it, you have to make another film, Marty. We have to do it. And well, we kept working. Later, we kept our other projects, other things. And finally, we stumbled and tripped and found <laughs> ourselves back in where there was a, a comfort for him in terms, in terms as an actor. But primarily because he came up here and we were talking about this book and he described this character to me. And um, he became quite emotional describing it. Uh, and I realized then that if this is... If we've been looking for something we could really learn from each mm-hmm. other again, if there's anything we can go further with each other in terms of our collaboration and the work we do, this may be the one. This may be, if I could tap into that. And so that was the that was the guide, in a way. And it just happens that the background that the, 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 the characters are placed against is the gangster milieu. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be big business, it could be... Like Wolf of Wall Street, it could be politics, uh, as I say, finance. Uh, no, the pressures can know, come from any anywhere, direction. Any but direction. What was fascinating to me about this one, because we're all getting older, yeah. is basically that age is one of the villains. You know, yes. you could be Jimmy <laughs> Hoppe. You could be this big cheese at the Teamsters Union, and suddenly, boom! You know, yeah. Uh, you don't know who you are one day, or somebody yeah. shoots you, or basically a physical well, the, illness comes and well, gets Well, the, the age, and it's the, it really films about time and mortality. Really, it's, that's mm-hmm. what it's about. And we just found our way through it. We found our way through it. And something happened as we were shooting, particularly in the scripting by Steve Zalian. There's something happened there in the very beginning. I said, I want to take it all the way to the end. I said, I want to go past their wild times and all the decisions they had to make. Mm-hmm. I want to go past when he has to when he realizes that the price he has to pay for the life he's led. When he realizes who he's in with, mm-hmm. you know, he it, this is something that's not going to leave him to the end of his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Jimmy real Jimmy is told in 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 this film and in this in the book Charles Brandt's book, he's told this is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. Watch his watch Al's reaction. He waits. And then he says, they wouldn't dare. Oh, they would. <laughs> would. Oh, they would. Oh, they would. This yeah. goes to the hubris, goes to... And a man who, I think, if you really see all those documentaries and read about Jimmy Hoffa and all the documentaries he did, I mean, he formed that union. He fought on the picket lines and he did all kinds of crazy stuff. He really put himself on the line. It is his union. <laughs> but he was in with the wrong people. And so that's another tale. And another he had his little picadillos. He didn't like people to be late. No, he didn't like people to be late. And also, don't wear shorts. Don't do any of that stuff. Don't do it. But it's it's fascinating to me, this reunion that you and and Bob De Niro have seen (laughs) each other through the years. But what I read, everybody says, well... They have. They don't even see each other in twenty five years. You know. No, no, we do. We do. do. Yeah, no, we do. But what did it feel like directing him again in a movie? That's a long time. Pretty interesting, because the moment he came on set for. uh, uh, a makeup test. Mm-hmm. He was in costume. He was. He had the short sleeve shirt. Something in the shoulders. He was. Uh, I think the shoes were a little higher. And I suddenly saw Frank. 
suddenly just mm-hmm. walked past all the cables. I said, that's, that's the... Uh, that's the guy. That's the guy <laughs> right there. I don't even have to take the, the test. That's <laughs> and so it just felt really... I mean, you know, we were doing a lot on set. We'd talk a little bit, but basically he was over there reading and I was over here working on stuff. That's it. <laughs> Great. And, and then, then it they, just happened. And then they would say, so, ready to go. Ready to go, Bob. Yeah, I'm ready. Let's go. <laughs> so there's no, you're not sitting with him discussing motivation. <laughs> no, but we did a lot of that over, over like, uh, yeah, uh, beforehand. Beforehand. But even that, I got to tell you, when he had that emotional reaction, having read the book, mm-hmm. you knew it was there. We can't articulate it. Yeah. It just went. And uh, with Joe, we did a lot of talking. With well, Joe. Joe Pesci, that's another thing. <sighs> he retired. Know. What did you have to do? Make him an offer he couldn't refuse? Well, what, what, how did you get that? That was hard. That was hard. That but was hard. Bob actually kept, Bob is actually good. He stays on you and stays on you and stays on you until you can't, until you can't refuse him. <laughs> you know. But we also made it possible for Joe to uh, uh, understand that, yes, it may be the same milieu, but it's a very different character mm-hmm. that he plays. Oh, it's a, it is a big difference from Goodfellas. Isn't yeah. It? yeah, yeah, and yeah. also from Casino. Yeah. So he really has the quiet time. Don. He's yeah. the quiet one, and I people I didn't even know about, by the way, when, until I read this book, mm-hmm. Buffalino and all that. I I'm a Manhattan person, Philadelphia. Even, you know, it's Philadelphia. so distant. Where is it Philadelphia is it? or Pittsburgh? It's it. I think it's somewhere in Pennsylvania. It's, it starts with a P. Yeah, it does start know. with a P. No, it's all New York for <laughs> it's you. All, it's yeah. somewhere up there. <laughs> How do I know that? <laughs> it's New York. What do yeah. we care? But and you <laughs> shot it in New York anyway. Sure. Everybody I mean, was pretending but, to but be the whole, Pennsylvania. But the whole idea of shooting it too was an anonymity. Mm-hmm. Because these things take place in hallways, at a table, you know, somebody's somebody's apartment, a hotel room in Chicago. I mean, it's not spectacle that way, mm-hmm. you know. It's in No, there's just a lot of people and a yeah. lot of people. But Pacino is the first time. Yeah, yeah. It, it, what took so long for you and Al well, Pacino to get together? I got to tell you, back in 1970, I became friends with Francis Coppola. And I hadn't made Mean Streets yet, but mm-hmm. he came to my mother and father's apartment on Elizabeth Street and was having dinner, and he was talking about Godfather, and mm-hmm. talking about the cast, and how Paramount didn't want Brando, and how Paramount didn't want this and that. And he um, uh, then mentioned to my mother, he said, and I have this kid uh, to play Michael. He said, but he never he was never in a film before. But he told my mother, he said, uh, Katie, he said, looks just like your son. He's really good. And um, his name is uh, Al Pacino. Mm-hmm. And I said, but he never worked in a film, so Paramount doesn't want him. And so that night he took me down to the village, or across the village, I should say, mm-hmm. and there was a play by Israel Horowitz called Rats that was being performed, and it was directed by Al Pacino. I met Al that night, hmm. you know, um, and going from Godfather and Godfather 2 to working with Lumet, Sidney Pollock, uh, I mean, he was on a level that mm-hmm. uh, I, no way I could reach that uh, in the 80s. Um, uh, because in effect, in effect, I was still making films with my friends in a way. You know, yeah. Um, but in the eighties, um, we tried to do a film on Modigliani, and we couldn't get finance. So, see, Netflix wasn't around in <laughs> those days to do that, to <laughs> no, do I any know. of that. I know. But how would you say that you and De Niro and Joe Pesci changed over those years? Did your uh, working process change with no, those years? Not Same really. stuff. Same stuff. Although I must say that that uh, Joe. Uh, had a, uh, it, it was no rehearsal really. He didn't want to rehearse, so I had to tell him, "Could you at least read it?" <laughs> yeah, no, like, no read the read the scene. Yeah, read the scene. Is what's it about? Yeah, they said, "Yeah, but that's isn't right." I said, "I know it's not right here yet." 
But if you read it, or you even just get an impression of it, mm-hmm. we could then, you know. But he was just getting very slowly back into it is what it was. Very, very careful. And he had to be very precise because he didn't want to repeat himself. Mm-hmm. And that was the key. You follow? Oh, so I we do. To, they can't yeah, be good fellas. They it can't, can't be casino. It you think I'm funny? You yeah, know, forget no, it. No. So, so the whole thing became where I had to prepare him and make him feel comfortable. And Bob was really a big help with him that way. They just start talking. I said, that's exactly it. Move over here. Put that line in. Change that over. Perfect. You know, keep him going. Keep him going. Then he'd, he'd recite something to me. I said, well, let's do that. Let's put that let's in the film. <laughs> <laughs> Marty, how do you indicate to an actor that what they just did isn't working? I've never asked you this before. I don't oh, know if there's any yelling involved. No. I no, can't. never yelling. Only once I did. It didn't work. <laughs> Oh, it was terrible. It didn't work. But, um, and also you lose patience. And the, the most important thing is to have patience. Patience. And uh, a lot of it, I, you know, I encourage them. If I, don't, if I don't think it works, I encourage them to try to get it to work so they can communicate to me what the hell they want to do. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And, I, and then get to that point and say, I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't think that's, you know, it goes the other way. So, oh, yeah. So we, go, <laughs> we really try to work it out. And that, that is an issue of uh, shooting time. We need to really work that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, you're not saying that's no schedule. good. We can't do. It. Yeah, that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Person said, "Why is it no good?" Then you get into, you know, let's see where it's going, you know. And often I find that things at first I thought were not right become very interesting, you know, to say the least. Well, in the end, you do have the control over which take you're using you. and yeah. how you're going to exactly. put it together to exactly. do it. But acting, yeah. when we've talked over the years. And often about just moments in movies that happen. A lot of it comes to the actor. We once talked about William Holden in The Bridges of Toko Ray. And oh, he was just wonderful. standing, oh, yeah. looking. There was uh, nothing on, else. On the, on, the, on the bridge of the, uh, of the right. aircraft carrier. And everything yeah. that is just going yeah, on in yeah. his head. So yeah. you, can, you can make something epic, but if you don't have that soul, that's, right. that's actually that's there. Right. Which goes to, I think, what you were saying in your New York Times piece. You were responding to the controversy over the idea of Marvel movies, but you were also saying, not what is cinema, but what it is to you. What it is to me. <laughs> to me. Yeah. It might be cinema to the kids seeing those films. Or it might people, be. But I, I don't get it. I, mm-hmm. I mean, or at least let me put it this way. I've, um, I've seen one or two. That's enough mm-hmm. because it's the same thing over and over. Mm-hmm. You know? What are the essentials to you? What makes cinema? I think what makes cinema to me... Uh, I think ultimately it's something that for some reason stays with you uh, so that a few years later you could watch it again or 10 years later you watch it again and it's different. In other words, there's more to learn mm-hmm. about yourself or about life. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. At first, you may, be, uh, at first you, may, you may find that I'm affected by this film. The camera work is amazing. The actors are terrific. Great editing and that sort of thing. But after a certain amount of time, after you get enough of that, like, um, for example, um, Shoot the Piano Player, mm-hmm. uh, Truffaut, uh, I thought that was the best. But after a while, I realized it's Jules and Jim. <laughs> it's got more depth. You can watch it repeatedly, and you can watch it different times in your life. And the film's the same. You change. Life and Death of Colonel Blimp. Pretty much the films of Hitchcock in terms of, like, as I say, Psycho, for example. I was there the third night... Midnight show at the DeMille Theater. Really? Midnight show? Yeah. <laughs> it was a circus. Talk about a theme ride. <laughs> a theme park. This place <laughs> was wild. The place was going crazy. 
over the years, I've watched the film over and over, and I'm really obsessed with it. But it's not the, 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 the shower scene. It's not the killing of Martin Balsam. It's, not, it's the scenes with the actors and how he's framed them and how they play off each other. And it's the mood and tone uh, of the picture, along with the music, of course. And it's the framing, the compositions, which have almost a kind of uh, an aesthetic quality, freaky kind of quality to it. Um, and so, in a way, I've enjoyed that picture, and I still do, because of the things that it's not famous for. You know, you know, because you're finding something yeah. else than what yeah. it was famous yeah. for. But you told me right here in this room that you used to show a couple of movies every week yeah. that were made between maybe 1949 and 1962. Was that's that right. It? That's it. But what was that period? Was that what made you excited about? I think so. And I think because, you know, as I said, I, was a, I used to have terrible asthma. So they took me to the movies mm-hmm. and I spent a lot of time with my parents. Uh, experiencing these films. They were films usually from 1946, from Duel in the Sun mm-hmm. to The Paradine Case to Robin Hood to uh, Blood on the Moon, you know, all these films. And then going into the early 50s, I think they were formative years. They were really formative years and they, they created a strong impression. I think the big change was seeing, and I was uh, 1954, I was 12, 13 years old, mm-hmm. on the waterfront and east of Eden. That was the big change, and it hit me at the right time of uh, adolescence, the beginning mm-hmm. of adolescence. And you said, I want to make this, I want to do this? I don't know. All I know is that, I don't know if I could do it, but I know I was there. That was me. Those movies were me. And I lived in them, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, on the waterfront, yes, there are people I was growing up with. Uh, it was almost as if it was a home movie. Right. You know, uh, East of Eden was the in- emotional uh, conflict and turmoil of the family and the sons, uh, the two brothers, I have a brother, all this sort of thing, the conflict mm-hmm. of the father and the brothers. That was all there. That was all there. So somehow I became, I just stalked those movies. I would go every place they played. <laughs> I like that idea. Stalking. Yeah, Where's he to be? Like, he, didn't see, he couldn't watch anything on his phone. He couldn't. I had to go find it. You had to go find it. Imagine nobody would have the patience for that. Oh, no, it was They can have anything they want now. No, whenever they want. I, that's that's the problem. But, see, I hear, I always hear your enthusiasm. Whenever I speak, you know, there could you could at this point in your career say, "Look, I'm going to rest on my laurels." Instead, you're planning your next movie. Yeah, you yeah. Know? No, I'm, I'm. I think Killers of the Flower Moon. Flower Moon. Yes. Yeah. I mean, what I'm trying to do is I, uh, with the documentaries too, Rolling Thunder Review, The Conjuring. Yes, World, yeah. yeah. I mean, the thing is to try to find a. Um, there's a kind of. Uh, Joy is a word. It's true. Uh, a kind of um, kind of almost spiritual fulfillment, I must say, in crafting something and making something work into maybe a piece of art, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. It's still a work of art, and like that's what I do. It's what I do, and I'm curious about a lot of it. I'm curious how we're going to get there again. I have mm-hmm. no idea. People will say, "Here are the best. Here's the five best Martin Scorsese movies that happened." Do you have your own five best Martin Scorsese movies? It's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. I just came from downtown. I was doing the color correction on the film I did on my mother and father, mm-hmm. Italian-American. It's going to be on uh, Criterion Disc now. Mm-hmm. And that was one I learned a great deal from. And uh, I think a lot of it pays off in Irishman in the sense that uh, there was a, a lot of style that was stripped away immediately in that film. I still had to go through the... the uh, how should I say, uh, the different landscapes of style mm-hmm. all the way up to Wolf of Wall Street. But um, 
by the time we did Silence, and by the time we did the George Harrison film, Living in the Material World, that mm-hmm. also taught me a lot about cutting away the extraneous, in a way, um, and often just staying on a person. The way my mother and my father told stories in that film, I found that I didn't have to cut away. There are movies that you made that people don't talk about, like Bringing Out the Dead. Well, Bringing Out the Dead, yes. For some reason, that's like, uh, <laughs> it's a very strangely funny film at times. It is. But it really is. A, that's a film about, you know, these guys, these EMS men and women go out there and uh, they're like these angels of mercy in the street. They're like they modern are. day saints they in are. a way. And I thought that would be a great story to tell, you know. Uh, and it's got humor. It's a little crazy. There's no doubt. But, it, you know, it's um, uh, it was a film that was completely ignored when it came out. Right. Uh, 1999. But I think that kind of thing has happened. And then movies get rediscovered, which I is know. still possible. I know. It is you know, possible. That still is happening. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I think the Irishman can live and to do that. I hope. I hope. We really felt it on the set. Uh, we felt it when we were doing it. And also the crew kind of felt it. And we all felt it while we were watching Wow, that's good. Yeah, it's that's nice good. when the crew is doing that. That's good. That's but good. to go back as we end to the music, um, I always ask at the end that there's a little song. Now, the last time we were last together, time we did Haji Baba. Haji Baba, yes. I know, that was one of the best Wasn't that renditions great? of that song Thank ever. Thank you. Thank you. But here... Not as good as Nat King Cole, but... No, but Nat King Cole isn't around anymore. But in no, this know. movie, you know, you have... You have Stevie Van Zandt playing Jerry Vale. That's hysterical. <laughs> you know, I know, no, please. it's hysterical. I can't. Can. <laughs> no, but it is. It's great. And I don't know how See, you convinced him to do that either. Aldi La, he does Aldi La. Aldi La which is, is one of the. Wouldn't you want us to yeah. do that? I'll do it. Aldi La, yeah. Yes. I can start you. you know? Okay, go ahead. La, 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 la. Yeah, then you take it. What was that? I was Aldi La. <laughs> and my brilliant. Italian version of it. Oh, Aldi la da 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 da. That's it. Da 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 da. Aldi la, and I don't know the rest of the words in Italian. Da 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 da. That's it. That's it. That's it. I finally got it. Yes. Yeah. Good. You don't even have the Italian lyrics. No. I. I. What kind of Italian American are you? I, I didn't. I didn't memorize those lyrics. But aren't they? Aren't they used in Rome Adventure? Right, the they Delmar Dave's in, film in Rome Adventure. Yeah. Another movie that goes with the Adventures of Achubafa. True. That no one knows. But great, great use of Technicolor. Great. Well, see, and that's everything. It was <laughs> perfect Technicolor. Marty, it's always a great pleasure to talk to you <laughs> and to hear you sing. Thank you. Next time, I want you to sing in Italian. And okay, we'll I do will. Something I should, else. You know, I should have done it in the still of the night. Instead. You can do that. We can still have time. Okay. Let's do it. In, come on. Da, 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 um, one, two, three, four. Mm-hmm. In the still of the night. I want you. I don't remember the words. The lyrics are gone, yes. but the feeling, the is, feeling there, is there. And that's everything in life. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's we great. got it. We got it. 